Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we are back, and let's go right back to the phones. And joining us is Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? You know, I'm doing really well, and I know you want to give us a hunting update, but I think next week you're involved in something called the Off the Grid Expo. Tell me about that. Yeah, Terry, we got a lot of stuff going on. We're fishing, we're hunting, and next week uh, our good friends at B&B RV, they, ha- they are hosting the Off Grid Expo. It's a three-day expo, and it is all about outdoor adventure. And it's kind of neat because, you know, we participate in so many different outdoor shows and expos, but this is taking a spin more on kind of the adventure side and more so I don't even want to say survival, but, I mean, it's about solar panels and living without a lot of necessities. Um, so, I mean, the the latest in kind of the, the crazy camper world is there. So smaller campers, more off-road campers, again, ton on solar energy. I'll be doing seminars every day, and my seminars are kind of different than what we normally talk about. We're going to do some seminars on fishing with, like, the minimal gear. So fishing with something you could have in your vehicle at all times, fishing with equipment that maybe you could throw on a bicycle. So we're going to talk about how to catch all species with minimal gear. Uh, I'm going to be talking about hunting, but more on the survival side. Like, hey, you got freaked out during COVID. You want meat in the freezer. Here is your best way to go out and be successful. Um, So we have a lot of kind of cool seminars, and it's just a great show. So that's three days. That's next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, I'll be there all days. We'll have our boats there. We'll be talking fishing and hunting. Uh, So definitely a, a great spot to be next weekend all right my friend so what is going on in hunting right now well first off before we do that a good friend and really valued listener bobby schmack just texted me uh he said that you guys were talking about blade bait so i jumped on and uh there is no doubt that walleye bite is on fire but all this talk about barrel swivels and long rods terry it's just killing me out there So how how do you how do you approach using jigging wraps? No, we just had to throw that out there because it's so funny. I talked to Austin about it. You know, you and I talk about it. I talked to Chad about it. Uh, I am all about that short rod. You know, when I'm working a blade, when I'm working a, a jigging wrap, especially in a guiding situation, you know, even myself, if I run a, a seven foot rod, it is so easy for me to overwork the bait. You know, those walleyes are sitting on bottom. That strike zone is you know five, six, seven inches. Uh, and I just tend to power fish with those longer rods. We're all about a 5.9, a 6-foot, maybe a 6.3 on the long side. And it just, to, it, you would have to work extra hard to overwork the bait. So it, it forces you to stay in that strike zone. So we always preach that. And I just more had to say that just to give everybody out there a hard time because we know we always talk about it. And the barrel swivel, same thing. Uh, it just gives the fish another focus point. We try to try to have the, the best, truest running baits possible. And when we're vertical jigging, we really change that cadence to where it's not just a monotonous up down up down you know you throw little twitches big twitches and you can actually get that jigging wrap to reverse itself and work the opposite direction so you so you don't have tangles um but more so i had to throw that comment out there for bobby schmack he was just on my boat fishing and uh, he's like man they're talking blade baits it's different what's going on so uh so i had, had to throw that out there for him well you know one of the things that i want to comment that you and i go through this we we appear at a lot of places together especially the sports shows and one of the things we always talk about is we don't agree on everything because there's different approaches because and and we go by the experience what works for us and every one of these guys we talk to are 
extremely accomplished anglers, and they have oh, their absolutely. own techniques. I've been fishing with Greg Clajo up here the last two days. We were lead coring walleyes and going for bass. And going for bass, him and I take a totally different approach to the same piece of cover, and we both did quite well on large bass. But one thing I will, I will admit, I agree with you on one thing. When I'm fishing right below the boat, I don't like excessively long rods because I like to see if I can keep the bait in my sonar cone. Exactly. And if I, if I have a long rod, I get the bait too far out away from my sonar cone, sonar cone and I lose track of it. You can still fish it, but it's so much nicer to fish it if you can see it. Absolutely. Seeing that strike, seeing where that fish are at, just knowing you're in that zone. So, again, there, there's something for everybody out there. Just had to throw it out there. And, and, again, I think the biggest thing is recognizing what the fish want and making sure that you can deliver that. So whether that's a, a big hop, a small hop, um, understanding your equipment, understanding the strike, and, and fine-tuning it uh, to, to accomplish exactly what the fish want, that, that's really the goal at the end of the day for sure. Well, I think almost everybody these days, I shouldn't say everybody, Al Linder uses mono all the way, um, but a lot of guys, and myself included, are using uh, a, a super line, a braided line, to a point with a, probably a fluorocarbon leader. Is that what you're doing? You know, it, it, it's situational, but yes, I, I would say for the most part, that's exact rig. I still do run quite a bit of mono. I mean, we, we had a, like I said, I mentioned it kind of last week on the radio that we have a big fish bite going at Chatfield right now. Um, and on some of these very large fish, you're talking 30 inch fish, um, it, it's kind of old school, but a lot of times I still run a mono leader just so I have a little stretch and a little shock. Now, the biggest thing with that, as long as my bait doesn't foul, so many guys are running a fluorocarbon leader strictly for the stiffness, not for the clear aspect, but they want that stiffer line because their jigging spoons, blade-based jigging wraps, will flip over themselves and, and tangle up, and that stiffer line prevents that. So if I can get away without my baits fouling with mono, I actually prefer mono because I want some stretch of that super line, especially the fact that I'm using those short rods. So a six-foot rod, I don't have near as much rod to absorb those big head shakes. Um, so, so if I can get away with stretch, great. But if I go out there, whether myself or with my guests in a guiding situation, if I am getting a lot of twists and foul-ups and things like that, uh, then I will switch to that fluorocarbon to have that stiffer line. But if I can get away with mono, I do so. So running like a 10-pound uh, Trilene XT old-school mono leader, uh, it, it's awesome to have that little stretch. And at the end of the day, I definitely get some, some more fish in the boat. And everybody that's fished a blade bait or a jigging wrap knows it's probably the worst hooked fish of any technique you'll use, over cranks, over jigs, over live bait rigs. Um, those fish hit it with such aggression, but the bait's moving so fast they are never hooked good. I mean, it's on the side of their face. It's in their face. But you'll never lose more fish in the entire season than when using jigging wraps or blade bait. So a little stretch definitely adds a, a large percentage to get a few more fish in the boat at the end of the day for me. Well, on the other side of it, the baits themselves are so heavy, they gave them a lot of momentum to throw them. Karen, ask Karen that. She lost a monster here just uh, last fall when we were jigging wrap fishing out on a horse tooth. It was just a huge fish because it wasn't much give. She had grabbed my rod. Her rod has a little more give to it. I, I was doing something to her rod, so she was fishing with mine, a little stiffer rod, and she monster just for just for a second. It slacked up and it was gone, but you're absolutely right. Hey, let's talk some hunting while we still got time. 
Absolutely, Terry. It is full-blown. I had an amazing opener of the dove season here in Colorado. Uh, so we have doves across the state. Um, so that started off with a bang. And, and Terry, every year it seems like a certain species really kicks off. Last year, uh, you know, on September 2nd, it's the opener of archery elk, archery deer, bear. Um, and last year we saw more bear, bears harvested than I've probably ever seen in my life, uh, especially in those first couple days. This year, the tables have turned, um, and even though uh, you you know there's always elk that are going to get harvested in that early state. Um, the last two days, three days, uh, you know when it opened, I guess on Thursday, um, I haven't seen this many elk get harvested in a long time. Uh, Terry, it absolutely seems to be on fire for elk and almost all techniques. Uh, we're seeing guys that are just spotting and stalking, no calling, just finding animals and literally pulling out their, you know, their, their sneak um, and getting up on them and getting a shot. It seems like a lot of the state has a ton of water right now. We dried up for a couple weeks, uh, really making those water holes active. Now we got a bunch more rain. Um, but the, the hunters that had good active water holes, more so in a wallow situation than a drinking fashion. So not so much a, a creek or somewhere where they're drinking, but something where they're rolling around, playing in the mud, cooling themselves off. Um, those those active wallows have been very productive in the last couple of days. And in certain portions of the state, the calling aspects um, are monumental. And that's rare for being so early in the season. I mean, obviously, the elk are talking, they're bugling, they're getting ready to go into the rut. Um, but that northwest corner, the Craig, the steamboat, uh, even towards the Kremlin area, those bulls seem to be fired up. Uh, at least they were on that opening day, September 2nd. And we saw a lot of bulls hit the ground with calling aspects. So we are off with a, a, a very monumental lead on our elk season this year, and we're excited to see that. Uh, again, a lot of bears being harvested and even a lot of mule deer. But but the elk seems to be the, the most predominant as I talk to hunters all across the state and uh, kind of getting reports from everybody. So we're really excited about that, Terry. It's great to see uh, a hunting season kind of kick off and to see all the hunters' hard work of scouting and prep uh, really come true uh, to, to have some success on the ground. Yeah, it, it looks like it's going to be a great season. The weather is cooperating. I know a lot of people uh, early season don't expect it, but as we get into the fall, they're hoping the weather is going to move these animals and position them. But you really have to just be aware of the conditions right now, don't you? Absolutely, Terry. And I mean, honestly, we've had a lot of moisture, so so that's good uh, and bad. It's great for the fact that it's going to quiet things up. So you can now sneak through the woods. It's not, you know, like walking on, on frosted flakes. So we love to have the moisture for the quieter stocks. Uh, we love to have the moisture just for general, you know, natural perturbs, natural concepts of, you know, no fires, good for the forest, good for the landscape. Um, the only negative to a lot of rain, again, is kind of change up the waterhole hunting. But if you were to go out there, we really are encouraging everybody right now, this is your time have an open mind as a hunter whether you're mule deer hunting bear hunting elk hunting so many hunters have one technique or one style we talk about this every year terry but to be successful you have to be willing to adapt so when you go into this hunt don't tell yourself i'm just going to hunt water or hey i am an elk caller i'm doing nothing but calling because that's going to bite you in the end you have to go into it with reading that situation find that bull and if that bull's active if he's bugling if it's a calling situation great do so if that bull is quiet, you know what I mean, and you put him to bed, find that nearest water hole and sit there. Uh, or if that bull's above tree line or, or working in an area where you can sneak up on it. The biggest thing is to be able to adapt to the situation. So right now, these animals are active. It's a great time of year to be out there. But keep that in mind. Don't think about 
your past two or three years and how you, again, if you dig deep, you realize that you stick to your ways of how you hunt and try to, you know, mentally get that out of your head and just say, hey, I'm going to do whatever it takes to create that success. So go into this hunting season with a very open mind, uh, and I promise you it's going to lead to a much more successful hunt this coming fall. Uh, so, so go into it with that and, and be ready because, again, it seems like the opportunities are huge. Um, and another kind of shout-out, we keep talking about this, um, it's one of those things that I'm probably becoming more proactive with. Um, we are just seeing more and more people in the outdoors, Terry. It's Labor Day weekend, so obviously we have a massive boost of people enjoying kind of the last big weekend in Colorado. Um, we are getting ready for a major season where people are looking at the fall colors, um, and everybody's in the woods. So you have grouse hunters. You have just, you know, hikers, you know, mountain bikers, ATVers, leaf lookers, hunters. Everybody's out there. So we really are just taking this time to, to just say, we're all out there for the same reason to enjoy nature and nobody has a, a, a higher ranking right the hunters don't have a better right than the leaf lookers the leaf lookers don't get to overtake the hunting grounds um we encourage everybody if you're listening to this even though you're kind of laughing and shaking your head you just have to have that open mind if if you know your hunt gets changed due to somebody looking at fall colors just realize they're out there for that and instead of getting mad or upset take the time to educate them and say hey you know it's good to see you out here you know it's actually hunting season so i'll be going this way hunting you know, you, you just keep that in mind. If you do some, see some hunters out there, just know it is hunting season. Everything's good. And, you know, here's kind of an idea of where the hunters are going to be. And then, you know, same thing on both sides. Just if everybody respects each other this time of year, uh, it'll be a much better fall. So really just trying to try to spread the word for that. And more so in the situations where you, you might get upset or if things change due to so much activity in the woods, um, use it as an educational moment and not, a, not an upset moment. Uh, and everybody will have a better time in the woods this fall. I couldn't have said it better. We actually, in our next segment, our dog trainer, Ben, uh, ben Garcia, is going to, um, he's going to actually give some tips on how to keep your dog safe if you're out and you're not hunting and how to respect hunters so you don't mess up their hunt when you're out with your dogs. We're actually going to cover that. And he's out elk hunting. He's going to report on that this morning, too, so we're going to get that. Last question I have for you, my friend. I know you've been doing a lot of hunting. I know the fishing's on fire. It's always a tough time of the year. But if you just had to go fishing in the next couple of days, where would you go? You know, Terry, again, everything is hot. If you're going to stay local, there is a big fish bite going up and down the front range uh, in low light periods, early in the day, late in the day. We're catching those shad up in shallow water. During the day, the shad are suspended. So they're out in deep water. It makes the fishing fairly tough. But at low light, first, you know, hour before it gets light, an hour into the light in the morning. In the evening, an hour before it gets dark, hour after it gets dark, you're seeing those shad up in less than 10 feet, and the walleyes are absolutely on fire activating on them. So Chatfield, Cherry Creek, Aurora, Bar Lake, um, you know, if you go out to these fisheries, you fish reaction baits, blade baits, jigging wraps in that low light period, there is a phenomenal walleye bite. And it's nice. You can do that in the morning, in the afternoon, and still have your day to, you know, spend with family and such. Um, so that's a hot bite. In the mountains, we've been talking just pike, but we're starting to see those water temperatures plummet. Um, and those big trout are on fire. So Antero, Spinney, 11 mile. You can't miss that bite right now. Those fish are moving up into shallow water. They're getting aggressive. Um, you can very aggressively work spoons, swim tube jigs, and you're going to catch some big fish. So the mountains, focus on trout. South Park, Middle Park, and the Front Range, focus on walleyes. Uh, and there's definitely some tr tremendous fishing. Good enough to where it's, it's hard to say focus on hunting with, with as big of the walleyes and, and big trout that we're catching right now. 
All right, my friend, we will talk to you again soon. If people want more information, it's tightlineoutdoors.com and tightlineoutdoors on Facebook. We will talk to you next week. Talk to you soon. Everybody stay tuned to our Facebook page. We're actually going to be giving away some tickets to the Off-Grid Expo uh, this coming Tuesday, Wednesday on our Facebook page. So stay tuned there, and you're going to have some chances to win some tickets uh, to that great show next weekend. All right, my friend. Good luck, and we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. You bet. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we are going to talk to our dog training expert from Hideaway Kennels and about taking your dogs out in a non-hunting situation during hunting or how to respect hunters when you're out with your dog. That and so much more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. They can handle all your outdoor needs. Let's go to the phones. Joining us, our dog training expert from Hideaway Kennels, Ben Garcia. Good morning, Ben. Morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing great. Now, I know you're in the field. I, I always hate to ask somebody for a, a quick report on how the hunting's going because you might have just missed a great shot. You don't have to tell us. Good hunters know how to embellish. What's happening out there? Yeah. No, we, we've had some good hunting so far. It, it's rained a little bit, been dry, and just the normal stuff. We had a, um, a bull coming in that was really nice, and the sneaky cow got behind me and sent me and blew the whole thing. So that was the first morning but yeah that's what you live for those moments like that when you're hunting it is absolutely just amazing to see a bull that big coming in and and uh i just had a blast doing it and i had a cow come in front of me in a spike yesterday morning so not a lot of action but enough to love being outside and, and being in it and enjoying it for sure well you know that's that's one of the things that what people overlook you know we've become so focused on whether it's fishing or hunting or whatever on harvesting and Sometimes you just got to smell the roses and enjoy. Just look around at what you're at and what you're doing. And, I mean, the world's a pretty good place when you're out there, isn't it? It is, man. I'll tell you, I saw something that, I, you know, you forget sometimes about sunrises when you're out hunting or fishing. And uh, I was sitting on this hillside, and the sun came up through the clouds yesterday morning and just turned the whole hillside purple and orange. And, um, you know, we're blessed in Colorado. We get those sunrises like that. And that, to me, is is bigger than the harvest sometimes to see in those moments when you're outside that really makes you enjoy it, you know. And so it was a pretty special moment for me to see that. So, uh, It really is. Hey, we're going to talk about, yeah. you know, some dog tips and keeping them safe. But before we do that, I know that you went to one of our partners, Prestige Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, and got a new truck. So I want you to tell me how they treated you. Man, Randy and Levi and the guys there and the whole crew were just fantastic. We uh, we had a Dodge 1500. We wanted to upgrade um, to the Bighorn, and um, they got us a great truck, um, took care of us. They were totally honest with the situation about where trucks are right now, you know, the, the short supply of some things and, and what to make a move on, when was it going to be the good time to get it, and what truck to get. And we got a beautiful truck, and even more, we got treated just fantastic from them. And just fantastic people to work with. We, we couldn't be happier with them. I love to hear that about my partners, you know, Prestige, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram. They've been a partner for over 15 years, and, and we've bought a number of vehicles from them. I've sent a lot of people there, and I just love hearing good reports. They just really, you know what, car dealers are going to try to sell you a car, but they really make you right. feel good about it, don't they? They did. I mean, there was they there was nothing hidden. There was none of that stuff you hear horror stories about from car dealerships. They were up front with where it was going to be on 
you know, our trade in our, our purchase price and our payments. And it, it was, it was the way I like to do business. Everything was way up front and, and honest and we were up front and honest and we made a great deal and got a great truck. So fantastic right, crew over there. I can't, I can't thank you enough for that recommendation. So, All right. Thanks for, thank you for that, um, that report. Now let's get to the dog things. There's a lot of people yeah. outdoors right now. I mean, you're out hunting. You're not hunting with dogs, obviously you're elk hunting, um, there's people that are out dove hunting. They may be using their dogs. We've got teal season opening next week. Some right. people will have dogs with, but there's going to be just a lot of people outdoors who just, like you said, want to enjoy the outdoors, the sunset, to see the animals right. too. And they want, and they want to involve their dogs, but it can be, it can be dangerous and it can be even confrontational. So give us some tips on how to handle that. Yeah, I think the the one that um that we really think about, you know, for non-hunters is is the use of an e-collar on the dog and orange vest. You know, I mean, I think if you come up to an area and you're a non-hunter and there's a bunch of trucks there, um maybe there's another place to go hiking with your dog for during the hunting season. But if you want to hunt, you know, I mean, as well as have an orange on yourself, you know, I also have an orange vest on your dog. They make some great vests that are orange you can put on your dog that um, have chest protectors on them so you don't get a cut on the chest or eat their chest up. But, you know, the orange is so a hunter can see it coming, you know, is one. And the other one that I see a lot of, and I haven't seen it this weekend, but we see a lot of it sometimes when we're hiking is people just letting their dogs run around everywhere. And then their dogs get on deer or elk and start chasing deer or elk. And, and then you just get in a jam. And one, one, your dog chasing deer or elk is illegal, you know, because it's harassing wildlife. So really what we work hard on is um, the use of an e-collar, a remote leash, whether it's whichever one you want to get to be able to get your dog off that game and um, and get them back to you. Because let's face it, those animals, are they're trying to get water, they're trying to get food, and, and they don't need to dog chase them around making life miserable for them. Well, I'll tell you another one that they chase that could get the, the person walking the dog. It happens all the time. It's our number one uh, people getting injured by wild animals in Colorado, right. and that's when a dog, a moose. The right. dog yep. sees a moose, and the moose chases the dog back to the owner because moose aren't afraid. Like a deer and an no, elk will gosh, run, no. a, moose, yeah. a moose will charge, and they'll run back to right. the owner, and then the dog runs away, and the owner gets stomped on. So you really right. just have to be have to be careful, and you have to respect. You know what? Nate Nate Zielinski made a great point, and I don't know if you were listening when he said it or not, but there's going to be a lot of people in the woods, and respect each other. I mean. You know, as right. hunters understand it, as a hunter, you don't own the woods either, and people may go through no. there. They may blow up your hunt. It can happen, but they're not out there with some nefarious scheme. They just want to enjoy the outdoors. And people who are out there who aren't hunting, if you, like you said in the beginning, if you see signs that there's probably some hunters there, maybe go to another place or make sure you try to avoid the terrain that they probably would be hunting, and we all want to enjoy. There's a couple other questions I want to ask you, too, about about the hunting when you're up in the high country. What about you walking your dog? You know, maybe it's a hunting dog, maybe it's not. How does the sound of shots affect that dog? Yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be one thing is the sound of shots, but I think to go back to your point, and, and not to divert the question, but the other thing is, is respect hunters, but respect wildlife. I mean, I don't know about you, but, you know, if you're fishing, you're respecting that lake and knowing how dangerous it can be if you get a windstorm or a rainstorm, you know. And, and I think the same thing when we're out hunting, if we're grouse hunting or ptarmigan hunting is, you know, bears are, bears can be hell on dogs and hell on people, you know, and you got to respect that you're in their country and same with moose. I mean, I've, I've stumbled into moose when I've been elk hunting and it, it was scary because they're a big animal, you know, 
And um, and I and I don't think about it as like a law and dominant over this news because I'm a human. I think I'm in their backyard, you know, and I need to be respectful of that. So I think the same thing, you know, goes with when you're walking your dog is be respectful. You're not just on a trail. You're in nature that has elements that that your dogs may not be used to, you know. But um, as as far as the gunshots, you know, I mean, if you're out hiking with your dog and there's a bunch of gunshots going on, your dog's getting nervous. That's a great time to put a leash on them, give them a treat, get them a drink, and keep them by you so they don't bolt. You know, and um, and you bring up a good point. It seems like there's times this in the fall that dogs are getting lost on trails because people are shooting and guns are going off and, are, and it tends to scare dogs that aren't used to guns or aren't gun broke. And so, and again, once again, it comes down to, first of all, if you're taking your dog out on the trail, you probably needed some kind of training, especially some obedience before you even go out there, right? Yeah, some off-leash for sure, yeah. Yeah, and, and if yeah. you're in a... If you're in a questionable situation, then I think, you know, keep them on a leash. I mean, especially in the beginning, because yeah. if you don't know how that dog's going to act. Now, I'm preaching to the dog trainer here, folks, like I know what I'm talking <laughs> about. But, <laughs> but you know, go ahead. Yeah. Respond on that. That's well, fine. yeah, I mean, yeah, no, you're 100% right. I mean, I would say like the first half mile of the trail, keep your dog on a leash to know where you're going or what could be ahead, you know. And uh, especially as elk and moose and, and deer are getting on right now, they're going to be moving to different country and different terrain the last thing they need is a dog going on them or, or a dog catching a hoof, you know, or getting, getting horned, you know, it could be a, a dangerous deal any time of the year. So. Now, before I let you go, I want to go back. You talked about the red vests, the e-collars, the, um, right. the different types of leashes. Where are those products available? Where can you get the red vest for the dogs? Do you know? I, I, you know, I mean, like we, we tend to recommend one that Filson sells. That's a chest protector. It's got an orange chest protector on it. We had a client who was at um, grouse hunting up in Vail one year and the dog caught a stick to the chest and they had to get the dog out and get it to the vet. So that, that's when we started looking at some of those chest protector vests. I mean, any retail shop, I'm sure Jack's has them. I'm sure some others, but you know, the other thing I think people need to have on them as they're out in the woods with the dogs this time of year is bear spray. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, there was the lady in Durango that got unfortunately killed by a bear out walking her dogs. And you and me were talking, there was a lady that got um, attacked in Idaho by a wolf out running her dogs and had to use bear spray to get the, the wolf away from her dogs. And um, I think it's just a smart thing to throw in your pack when you're going for a hike with your dogs is that bear spray. You know I mean? Whether it's coyotes, whether it's a stray dog coming up out of your dog, it's a good protector for you and your dog. All right. Well, we're going to let you get back to hunting, but remind me to tell you my bear spray story sometime offline. Yeah, good. It'll give me something to laugh about with you. It's good. It'll be a good deal. All right. Thanks, thanks, sir. All right. Thank you. That's Ben Garcia from Hideaway Kennels. You can get them at hideawaykennels.com. Just great people. They train hunting dogs. They're also associated with the Rocky Mountain Roosters. You can plan some hunts. Just really, really good people. Um, we're going to take a time out. We come back. We're going to continue to talk some shooting as uh, Jr. from Colorado Clays joins us. And we got a lot to cover on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear, 65 years of serving the outdoor public. Let's go to the phones and joining us from Colorado Clays, Jr. Pierce. Good morning, Jr. Oh, hey, good morning, Terry. How are you this fine day? I'm in northern Minnesota, by the way, and I'm having great fishing, and I forgot to call and invite you. Well, I guess we're even on that one then. I think you still owe me. But <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> but I heard it's good weather down in the Denver area, too. 
Oh, beautiful, Terry. Beautiful day for some shooting, too. We're up and going. Got a lot of folks out here enjoying this weather and getting ready for seasons and a bunch more. I want to ask you right away, the dove season, I'm getting reports that doves are just, we haven't had the cold weather and the dove season is just on fire. Are you hearing similar things? Uh, you know, Terry, it's uh, it kind of depends on where you were. I'm hearing good reports from some areas and not as much from others, but that's kind of classic for uh, Colorado and this area out here. So what are some tips? Uh, if, if you're going dove hunting, you know, we've seen the ammunition shortage. We've seen you, whether you can get, I know a lot of people are saying, well, I need to get steel or non-lead shot to waterfall hunt. Do I need it for doves? And that depends on where you're hunting. Is there a big difference in how you approach hunting doves with steel or lead? Well, and here's here's something, Terry. So for, oh, I would say my last 22 years here at Colorado Clays, one of my favorite things is, of course, collecting data and compiling it um, then I can use that and pass it on to our customers to help them attain knowledge, which, of course, then they can apply to their individual practice or preparation. And, of course, as we've talked about many times on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, Colorado Clay has a shotgun pattern area with ranges from 20 to 50 yards, uh, 42 by 42 cardboard pattern sheets, so full pattern diagnosis is possible at most of the ranges. Uh, that table for bench shots, a gun rack, and more. But, you know, every year uh, we talk about the turkey season, and we compare guns, chokes, ammo, sights, shooting positions, and find the best combinations, and often do that for waterfowl. But, Terry, on that note, um, i got to say, I had a couple of dove hunters who uh, were actually very good shots come to me this year, and they said due to the ammo shortage, they were actually forced to go out and uh, purchase some of that number seven steel shot rather than their normal seven and a half or eight lead. And they told me and swore that there was a difference shooting that at the birds and shots that they should have been dead on, they didn't touch a feather. So one thing I'm going to be doing, and I'm actually very excited to do, is I'm going to go ahead and take uh, those actual guns and more, uh, go up to our pattern area, and we're going to check points of aim, points of impact, uh, pattern diameters and densities, uh, pellet distribution, and we're going to try different guns, different chokes, and different ranges and see if we can get some data to back up uh, those claims that there is a difference between that steel and the lead shot. So I'm kind of excited to do that, Terry, and uh, uh, we'll we'll have that upcoming. Yeah, that might explain why I've missed a couple doves in my life. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, no, it, 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 you know, all that information, now that since you have the ability to compile that and work with it, it means so much to the shooter because, you know, so, for so long, shotgun shooters were kind of in the unknown. They would think they were shooting and they'd break a few clays or hit a few birds, but they never really had a definition of what their density was or where that shot was landing according to their sight picture so it's going to be interesting to hear that muzzle loader season my friend is right around the corner are you still getting a lot of people sighting in muzzle loaders there oh yeah terry so you know here at colorado clays we have that amazing state-of-the-art rifle and pistol facility with the covered shooting areas our padded benches the radiant heat our pistol target return system, video viewing, rifle sight in, and, you know, just much more. But 
what makes our range such a muzzleloader friendly experience is the fact that we have the open air design which allows the smoke associated with muzzleloaders to dissipate quickly uh, we also have that intermediate 50 yard uh, target for quicker you know sight in um, our rso's have put together range packs that have those um, primers, 50 caliber balls and patches, so you don't have to burn up your hunting loads getting your gun on paper. And of course, the finest staff in the industry, which you know have years of experience helping people achieve their marksmanship goals. So uh, yeah, we've had a bunch of folks coming in, Terry. Uh, they're really taking it to heart. And uh, again, back to the 2021 ammo situation, uh, we've been selling a lot of those range packs, helping people get their guns on paper at those intermediate ranges, saving the hunting ammo they have, going out of here feeling confident, knowing their limitations, and uh, I'm excited to hear some good feedback from those folks. Yeah, you know, we're the other season's waterfall, well, we got teal season starting just next Saturday, and that, so that's a shotgun season. We've got we're waterfall and upland game seasons right around the corner. Big game rifle seasons aren't that far away. Are people taking to heart, you know, you and I preach year-round that don't get ready to go hunting, stay ready. You need to be out there comfortable with your weapon. You need to be understanding how it shoots, your sight pictures, you know, the way it feels. What are, um, uh, what are you seeing? Are people starting to take that to heart and come in? Yeah, and you know, Terry, you're right there. And, uh, you know, I think every year we talk about the dove season opener and the conspiracy by our feathered friends to find new ways of making you miss. Um, but, I, but I think uh, you're not the only victim of their evil ways, Terry. You know, I talked with a few locals here who had a bit of a rough opening day as far as their shooting skills. Um, and, you know, I went up and I must say the common thread among those who struggle was just not spending enough time at Colorado Clays practicing and honing their skills prior to opening day. So I think my point is that, um, you know, we offer that year-round access to the finest in shotgun shooting uh, opportunities for everyone, which includes the trap, uh, training trap area, great practice for anybody, uh, skeet fields with the wobble trap overlay. So if you're going to go upland hunting, uh, you're not going to find better practice than those wobble traps. Sporting clays, of course, uh, good practice for any kind of hunting, and then shotgun patterning for anybody that wants it always available so you know regardless of how you use a shotgun whether it's for hunting home defense competitive or just simple recreation uh colorado plays has everything you need to make every outing fun safe and successful so terry my point would be i encourage everyone to take advantage of everything we have to offer the shotgunner here at colorado clays uh those seasons are coming fast and to answer your question specifically, yes, uh, I've even been doing some individual work. A few guys knew they were going to be hunting doves and they were going to be passerby birds at intermediate, um, you know, fast shots. So we went down to sporting clays, found those shots. We went to the skeet fields post four and five and practiced those shots. And uh, boy, talk about making a difference. And I have a lot of them that are taking it very serious. You know, um, and it's good that they do, and I think it's so important because I can tell you, Karen and I travel. We do a lot of things. We're fortunate to lead a wonderful lifestyle. Sometimes we don't practice, and, you know, we, we shoot handguns a lot, a lot. And I'll tell you, the last time Karen and I shot handguns, 
I was embarrassed because we hadn't practiced for a long time. Shooting is a perishable skill. And if you want to be safe and confident, you need to spend some time practicing. And along those lines, you also need to have the right firearm. And you and I, I think we're going to put together over the next maybe six weeks or so, we're going to start doing tips on how you choose that firearm as we come up in these next weeks. Is that right? Yeah, Terry, because I, as we talked about, um, one of the most common questions that we get here at Colorado Clays, once people have been out, they've seen our facility, whether they have a new gun, whether they're thinking of purchasing a gun, is which is the right gun to purchase for what I'm going to do with it? And, Terry, there are so many variables. Some of them are obvious, but some of them maybe not. So we're going to go ahead and take our 25 years of experience as Colorado's premier public shooting range, and we're going to gather a bunch of information on choosing a gun and uh, choosing the right gun for what you're doing. And, yes, we'll be coming up with that in weeks down the road here. And I think we're going to do shotguns. We're going to do rifles. Uh, we're going to do handguns. You know, we'll, we'll, we won't do them all one week, but we're going to really cover it all. So I'm, it's, I'm excited. I think between you and I and some of the other people we can bring in, we're going to have a lot of expert advice in purchasing that first firearm. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And just like in fishing and hunting, we're always not going to, not always going to agree on the best tactic because there's what's been successful for us will come into play. Absolutely, Terry. And sometimes there's more than one right answer. But I think uh, we have uh, enough information and um, experience from all these years in this industry that we're going to come up with some really good information. We'll probably have some points and counterpoints, but I think uh, it's going to help a lot of people out that are thinking about buying the first gun or buying another gun or buying a different type of gun. And, of course, um, when it's all said and done, the perfect place to um, get out and, and try that gun is Colorado Clay. So I think it's going to be a great time. My friend, we are out of time. We will talk to you again in a couple of weeks. I got to get back on the water and I got to wrap up this show, but it's always great talking to you. If people want more information, coloradoclays.com. We will talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thank you, Terry. You bet, JR. From Col- great people out of Colorado Clays. If you're into the shooting sports, you need to stop by. It's just a tremendous, tremendous place. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to wrap this up. But I got a few fishing tips I want to share with you, and a few ideas on how you can win some prizes. All that and more on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Take it to the limit. Great, great Eagles song. Hopefully, we're going to see the Eagles in concert in Colorado here. Uh, this month, I think, so a couple of weeks, so I'm hoping for that. You're listening to Terry Wicks from Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We are going to wrap things up, but there's a few things I want to cover first. First, next week, I'll still be in northern Minnesota. I know you feel bad for me. I have to travel to these places and check them out so we can report back to you about it. But uh, also, there's an Ohio State football game that's next week. So we're actually, the show is going to be moved from 10 to noon, and it'll be on 1600 ESPN instead of the fan next week. And our good friend Chad Lachance is going to come in and host the show that week. So he'll be live in studio from 10 to noon on 1600 ESPN, and you can listen online too. Just go to the fan's website, and there's a place to click on ESPN to listen to that. So just so you know, we'll be moved. The week after that, we'll, I'll be back, and we'll be back to our 9 to 11 uh, regular time frame. Follow us on Facebook. If I've, you've been hearing me talk about um, 
the fishing up here in Minnesota. And you can see some of the reports we did. There's uh, We went out one day pulling lead core, refining the baits, catching walleyes on Vermilion Lake. You'll see a post on that. The next day, um, Greg Clausio, my fishing partner up here, and I went out, and we were catching just monster bass. I mean, not monsters, but three- to five-pound bass. And we didn't get a small bass, and we got about a dozen of them using soft plastics on the weed edge and into the weed lines. Uh, and there's a post on that on the Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Also, you'll know what's coming up. If the show is moved, if we're having a special guest, if you follow us on Facebook, Karen posts every time she adds a video to our YouTube page. She puts it on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. And she just added one recently on fishing, hiking up and fishing Zimmerman Lake for cutthroats from a float tube. And that's a show you can get a link to right on our Facebook page. And also, there's going to be um, trivia. Trivia is coming back. We've lined up some great prizes that range in value from 50 to $100. Uh, we won't do it till after I get back from Minnesota. So probably the week after that, we're going to do a couple things. We're going to have a trivia question. And when we have a trivia question, Karen always posts on the Facebook page, something about something that's happened in the past associated with the radio show. And so people that follow us on Facebook pretty much know the answer to the trivia when we put it out there on Saturday, you get a heads up and winning. Also, we're going to start bringing back our question of the day. We did one just a few weeks ago where we said, what do you remember more, a fish you lost or a, or a fish you landed? We're going to do questions like that, and we're going to do a little survey. And then out of those, we'll randomly pick somebody to win a prize. Just, and so you don't have to know the answer. You can just participate and have a lot of fun. We're going to try to come up with questions that are a lot of fun. But to take advantage of all that, you want to be out. Uh, you want to be on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. Uh, I'm, another note, Larimer County boat ramps starting September 7th are going to be changing some of their hours. Now, mostly it's that on... I think Horsetooth Centank is only going to be open Friday through Sunday. And in Carter, it's uh, the north ramp will only be open Thursday through Sunday. But go to the Larimer County um, webpage and go to their parks and resources, and they post those changes all the time because as we get into fall, they'll start shortening the hours. Now, they have arranged so that you can night fish and leave, but you have to get on the water before they close the boat ramps and see which ones are open. All, uh, right now, Horsetooth has a lot of water, so I anticipate good boat access. It'll all depend on when the inspectors are there. But go to Larimer County, check that out. Uh, we're going to do some more fishing up here. We'll be reporting on we get back. We've done some of the more inland fishing, and then we're going to probably go up on the Great Lakes. At least that's the plan. We don't know yet, but with weather cooperating, we're going to do some of that. And right now, we're in a beautiful place. We're looking over our shoulder, waiting for a deer to show up. We're having a great time. It just reminds me why we do this show. It's because we love the outdoors, and we love the enjoyment it brings to people. And whether you're fishing, hunting, camping, hiking, just sitting at a picnic table with your family, the outdoors bring so much pleasure to your life. We work with Colorado Parks and Wildlife. We work with all our contributors to help you get out and really, really have a good time. So follow us every Saturday or no, most Saturdays from 9 to 11 right here on 104.3 The Fan. Next week from 10 to noon on 1600 uh, ESPN and Chad LaChance will be filling in. That'll be from 10 to 12. We'll be back after that. 
I want to thank Kyle for keeping the studio part running, Karen for lining all this up and get glaring at me across the table to make sure I do it right when I do something wrong. We will let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour at ESPN Sports on 104.3 The Fan.